You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Stebbings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello everybody and uh, welcome to episode 194 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. My name's Neville Bounds and uh, welcome everybody. And uh, Matt Smith is with me today in the uh, the barn studio. We are, yes, yes, we're um, in the barn again today. It's yeah. very cosy it is there as well, well it actually. Is, yeah, very no, it's, nice. it's very cosy. As, as you can see, I've put my Christmas tree up. Yeah, great. <laughs> oh, superb. Nicely done, sir. I believe but it's we do have early. someone missing uh, in action today, don't we? Mm. What's uh, what's happened to Mr. Stebbings? Mr. St- well, yeah. Mr. Stebbings is skiving, basically. Uh, he's... Uh, uh, the, where he does um, his various DJing and things, he, he, he's uh, he's actually being a DJ. That's essentially what he's oh, doing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so nice. he's uh, he's uh, literally just up the road. In fact, actually, I could probably throw a stone between where I am currently and mm. and where he is. But yes, he's uh, busy setting up for a uh, for a disco this evening. His penultimate one at the Swan. So uh, oh right, is well, that, uh, that's in um, Bungie, is it? That's right. Yes, yeah. so it is. Yes. It's literally okay. up the road from yeah. where we are now. Oh, so, right. uh, nice. So yeah, very good. Well, uh, we've got a very full chat room tonight. I've noticed. <laughs> as well um, and so thanks everybody indeed for joining us uh, we'll be joined by uh, a special guest later on very He's just shortly getting in a taxi yep. hopefully yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. so uh, yes. as long as uber works for him or whoever right. he's using tonight then uh, yeah. it should be okay so we'll, yeah. we'll see him a bit, a bit later on which will be great so uh, we've been up to this week matt what's uh, what you've been doing um well, same same as usual really just been working mainly um trying to think if I've done anything interesting this week. No, not really. Uh, oh. You have, however, been doing something quite interesting. Mm. Yes. Haven't you? <laughs> yes. Uh, I did, yes. Yeah, it was just recce. supposed to be a recce, wasn't it? But uh, tell oh, the listeners what you did. Yeah. Well, I was doing a quick recce uh, yesterday uh, down at the simulator in Putney in southwest London uh, for our 200th show, more of which later on. Yep. And um, they said, oh, whilst you're here, Nev, could you just give us a hand with this or with that? So I did, and I ended right. up in the right-hand seat well, of this simulator for uh, slightly longer than I should have been, <laughs> shall we say. That was, uh, uh, well, that was very good of you. Obviously, you were helping them out, Nev. That's the main thing. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's rude, rude, um, uh... And if my boss is listening, it was all to do with audiovisual, nothing to do with, with flying or... No. Or no, aircraft. No, nothing what, whatsoever. whatsoever. No, no, very obedient. Um, yeah. But so uh, that was great. But uh, in, in fact, so yeah, we've got it all sorted out for the 200, and I'll we talk have. about a bit that uh, a bit later yep, on. Uh, absolutely. So that will be great. Yeah, um, so, so uh, as we're into a new month, unfortunately, that means we've got a little bit of housekeeping to do, sir. We have indeed. And uh, as usual, it's time to thank the Patreons. Uh, so, uh, big thanks to uh, Adrian Meacham. Uh, Matt Caton, uh, who's uh, brewing some nice uh, 200th he episode IPA. Is. Yes, we we're very excited by that. Yeah. Will, uh, more of which shortly. Um, and Captain Jeff, Dr. Steph, Stuart Black, and Liz Piper has made a very generous donation towards the 200th episode. So thanks ever so much indeed, Liz. We really appreciate that. Uh, from Evan Shue, Adam Spink, Matt Donemeyer, Jeff Ward, Ben Todd, York Mola, Philip Labe, Andrew Wilson, and we have a new Patreon uh, with Eric Graves. So thanks so much indeed, Eric. Really appreciate your contribution. Jordan Rose, Steve Andress, Jeff Newman, Matt Buntingframe, Myla, Ryan Harper, Stuart Backer, and Ray Williams. So that's uh, fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. It makes a huge difference to us uh, to have your contributions. It, it really helps with the, the running costs of the show. It uh, does. So yeah, if you would like to have a look at how to do that, how to support us, go to the website www.plaintalkinguk.com and there'll be a link to the Patreon uh, part of the show. 
They will indeed. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there, as I say, there are other ways to, uh, to to do that as well. You can also go to um, if you go to our website, you can use the link on our website. Uh, do your if you shop with Amazon, if you use the link that's on our website, then you can uh, basically help the show by just doing your normal shopping. Uh, Amazon pay us what they call a small referral fee, and uh, basically you sort of, uh, as I say, without spending any additional money, you're helping us by by contributing. And it's actually been really handy for getting like new cables and and leads we quite often use the vouchers for that and of course you can do it through paypal uh, if you wish to as well to make a donation towards the show which is uh, i believe what liz did yeah it's great absolutely superb so uh, thanks ever so much indeed uh, there's been some comments in the chat room about my jumper tonight right uh, yes and it is uh, a christmas special uh, audio jumper. quite right we absolutely see that at yeah. all uh, but uh, <laughs> yes, it's a bit itchy though so right. um, okay. if i start scratching right you okay. wish you'd we should put a t-shirt on underneath yeah <laughs> i think so i'll get mrs nev to wash it possibly right so, okay uh, oh, but, dear. Uh, unwashed yeah. you dear um <laughs> So, yeah, but, so that, that's that. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, we've got plenty of news to talk about uh, this week. Lots of stuff going on. And yep. uh, so, if you are ready, Matt. I am indeed, yes, yeah. Off we go. starting off from the independent.co.uk website and this is all about a fine chap called Dave Walsworth and uh, for those of you in the chat room and maybe some people listening as well they might know Dave as an A380 captain for British Airways and he's also one of these sort of really good PR kind of guys as well and I think that's part, very much part of the job of being an airline pilot as, as well yeah. he's sort of representing your airline in, in the best way you can and he's done some really interesting stuff here and it says um, I've been itching to know what the view from the flight deck is like when you're coming into land well dave walsworth feels your pain the british airways pilot got a first taste uh, of flying as a child when nervous flyers and children would often be invited onto the flight deck a practice that was stamped out after 9-11 i'll always remember being in awe of what was going on he tells the independent and the views i especially remember being invited to stay up for landing and i wanted to be able to give people the opportunity to see what we do and how we do it as well as experience the superb views we are privileged to have and in a bid to share what he sees he's now made a series of films of takeoffs and landings at major airports and is posting them on twitter and youtube in a bid to demystify the process of flying the first one which is a 13 minute film uh, of a landing in johannesburg went up this week and i had a look at that uh, earlier on actually it's absolutely beautifully done and uh, dave who's an a380 captain had to get approval from ba to film inside the plane but he says that the airline has been very supportive and mindful that all recorded is carried out in a safe manner. Two GoPro cameras were set up, pointing both outside and inside the flight deck to capture the pilots as well as the outside. The video records all the flight deck activity from their interaction with the air traffic controllers to the moment each of the three pilots, senior first officers Jeremy Goodson and Phil Gillespie, who are also in the film, they opted on their sunglasses. And uh, Dave has annotated the video explaining technical terms and narrating each part of the flight. For nervous flies, it's a boon. Seeing the pilots calm even in the final moments of landing is an image that's likely to help more than any fear of flying course. Well, I think it's all, all part of it, really, isn't it? Um, it is, yeah. And if, uh, running the, the video now as you're, you're talking, Nev, here, I mean, it mm. is, uh, I mean, if nothing else, it is a stunning view. 
Uh, there's no, yes. no two ways he, he, about he's it. He's done a great job there, and he I think has. it's t- taken him quite a long time to uh, get uh, all the, you know the powers at BA to, to yeah. uh, agree to it and all the rest of it. And uh, I it's, it really is a, a very nice uh, piece of video. He's, he's done a good job for it, and I think I think there's going to be some more uh, to yeah. come, which will, which will be great. So uh, uh, yeah, people so follow uh, Dave on Twitter. He's, yeah. he's always got a lot lot to say about the airline, which is he uh, does. Really nice. If you want to watch the video in full, uh, it's actually on his YouTube channel. So if you search mm. Dave. Wallsworth, uh, which is Dave W A L L S W O R T H. Search for Dave Wallsworth on uh, YouTube, and you can actually watch the video. As I say, this is the one that we're watching at the moment. Here is an approach into Johannesburg, and um, it really is quite. A, it's just a, such a stunning view, isn't it? You never get that view, do you? As mm. a, uh, I mean, even when you were allowed in the cockpit, of course, you were never allowed to, to be there when they were doing such things as this. It was only during flight, wasn't it, that you were allowed to? to yeah. Do. Although when I was younger, I did. When I was, um, I did have a bit of a fear of flying, you know, uh, early on in, in my teens, and I did have a couple of um, jump seat uh, landings with British Midland. Really? Those of you who can remember that airline going way back, um, no. and <laughs> that was re- really nice, actually, and uh, it did help a lot. There's no question about it. So yeah, I think bet. Dave's doing a great job here to, to, to he really is. try and absolutely, uh, you know, promote the whole thing. And BA could do with a bit of good news for a change, couldn't they? Because <laughs> there's, there's always stuff going wrong. You know, there's cabin crew strikes, or there's yeah. you know, there's charging for food on the short haul flight so it's actually a nice change for it is, a good yeah, news story positive uh, news story uh, yeah absolutely. so uh, yeah, yeah it is. but no, uh, yeah very nice video isn't it so, it Matt. is yeah very much I'm very much recommended you need to give it a look if uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing it really is uh, quite stunning so we'll move on to the next mm. story then if yeah. we may a uh, story number two which it always seems to be uh, is a Ryanair story you can tell Carlos is st- he's still here in spirit isn't he when he's chosen all the stories yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah this is on the travelmole.com uh, website and the headline is Ryanair ignores pilot strike threats okay Ryanair has dismissed the threat of strike action later this month by pilots in Portugal and Italy and has warned pilots in Ireland not to follow suit uh, f- pilots in Italy are threatening to stage a four-hour walkout uh, December the 15th, and uh, pilots in Portugal have also served formal notice of industrial action. They want Ryanair to engage in collective bargaining across all of its European bases through a newly formed European Employee Representative Committee. Uh, so this is this is mentioning the word union, of course, which I don't oh. suppose that no, they won't like that. Uh, yeah. But Ryanair wants to continue negotiating salaries and working conditions individually with each of its bases and. Ref- refuses to recognise unions. Uh, Responding to the decision in Portugal, the Irish Airline Pilots Association said its members were currently examining their options. The pilot issues which have given rise to flight cancellations with Ryanair earlier this year have not adequately been addressed, said Captain Evan Cullen, uh, who is the president of the IALPA. Uh, While we support a pilot's entitlement for fair representation, we cannot prejudice this dispute or endanger its process by speculation as this is a developing Ryanair pilot trade dispute in another jurisdiction IALPA are not currently in a position to make further comment Uh, IALPA also published a video this week telling Ryanair chief Michael O'Leary to grow up and show pilots some respect I'm sure that went down like a lead (laughs) balloon Uh, no more whip soaring whip soaring this sounds like more your area of expertise Dave what's what's whip soaring 
that sounds a very odd expression. It does. Anyway, anyway, no, no more whip soaring. One pilot voice, one negotiating team. Now we stand as one. We, the pilots of Ryanair, are not short-term expendable commodities. We are vital company assets. Treat us accordingly. The video said. Uh, Ryanair said it was ignoring the strike threats. Uh, we regularly receive threats of industrial action from competitor airline pilot unions from Italy, Portugal, and even Air Lingus pilots occasionally. Uh, both we and our pilots ignore these letters, it said in a statement. This is the sixth time uh, the FIT slash CISL or the AMPA, so they do like an acronym, don't they, mm, uh, yes, <laughs> has announced so. strikes by Ryanair pilots only to postpone, cancel, uh, or postpone or cancel them later on. We expect this latest threatened strike will also be postponed slash cancelled since uh, both unions and the Alitalia unions have no role with Ryanair. So yes, it's, uh, it's 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 always very difficult. Is that there's always <clears throat> they're always in dispute with management, and management yes. are always um, having a go at the the cabin crew or the pilots, and and, and yeah. vice versa. It's, a, it's an ongoing story, and we're never short of content uh, every week. No, they're, they're no, in the news yes. for, for something, aren't they? <laughs> there's <laughs> always something else going on that means uh, we get to, we, oh, we get dear. another Ryanair uh, story. So as I say, at least on on that on that plus note, it keeps uh, it keeps them in the news. I suppose perhaps that's the way they're looking at it. Is it's you know no no news is good news or well, no, exactly. no, and was also it? That there's no such thing as bad, bad publicity, publicity. Is, yeah, is that right? yeah, yeah that's the thing yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely but uh, there we go so another story from um, the independent here yeah. and uh, it says that the 10 year old uh, British Airways subsidiary uh, the boutique airline Open Skies is to shut down in 2018 oh, no. uh, from September uh, 2018 Open Skies which currently flies between New York and Paris will cease operating with all staff transferred to the long haul budget airline level also owned by BA's parent company IAG. IAG plans to give the gates and other assets currently used by Open Skies to level expanding the low-cost offshoots offering with Paris or the airport as its second base. It already operates flights from Barcelona. We're excited, sorry, we're delighted, in fact, to uh, launch flights from our second European city, which uh, with four exciting new routes, IAG uh, Chief Executive Willie Walsh said in a statement, adding that Level will benefit from the local experience and knowledge of the Open Skies team. Level will have two Airbus A330-200 aircraft based at Orly, uh, flying to New York, Montreal, Guadeloupe and Martinique from, 2000, from July 2018, and fares will start at €99, Euros, which is £88 one way, which is pretty good, isn't it, if you think about it? Uh, Open Skies launched in 2008 as a boutique concept with aircraft featuring business class and premium economy, plus a small economy section with reclining leather seats. It opened a dedicated lounge in Paris Orly and started expanding, adding Washington DC and Amsterdam routes and buying out a similar French boutique airline. The idea was to give more of an upmarket private jet experience with only 100 passengers or so per flight and iPads available for all passengers' use. Prices were designed to be competitive too, with economy fares from $455 return, including meals and full bar service. Uh, business class fares cost uh, from $2,529 return. However, being such a small operation, currently Open Skies only has three Boeing 757s plus one spare 767. The financial crash took its toll. The struggling airline had soon paired back to only flying between JFK and Newark airports in New York to Paris Orly. And its parent company has clearly decided that budget beats boutique with levels expansion. Uh, the next big priority, Walsh has said he expects the airline fleet to reach 30 
30 by 2022, meaning that future bases, sorry, further bases are likely to follow. Uh, but yes, running those 757s on the North Atlantic route not not a favourite thing for me to do. Uh, you, or, or me, and of course, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we know my feelings on the seven five seven, don't we? Yes, uh, we yes. Do. <laughs> yeah. My little trips to Pittsburgh will yes. forever haunt me as a result yeah, of of exactly. said uh, yep. air, aircraft. What was it? A seven five seven three hundred or something? Silly. It was. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do they have any of those? <laughs> uh, they probably do. Yes. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they, or or two hundred at least. Yeah, yes. So, they uh, need to destroy them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Well, I mean, it's always very sad when they, when they when they sort of close an arm. But I get. I mean, if it's not making money, it's uh, yeah. There's no point in flogging a dead horse. And I think we just, yeah. Yeah. you know, I mean, th- those those who want to do luxury are doing business class nowadays, aren't they? I mean, it's well, just sort quite, of, yes. you know, if yeah. if uh, you know if you can afford that sort of thing, you're not going to fly in cattle class, are you? No, indeed. On to the next story. Then this is okay. on the yeah. Independent, and uh, we're, we're my theme this week seems to be low cost airlines. This is EasyJet this time, and EasyJet launches dozens of new flights in Germany, taking on Lufthansa in a wake of Air Berlin demise. So the airline already flies from Berlin's uh, Schoenfeld uh, Airport, but will next year start operating from the city's Tegel Airport as well. So budget e- airline EasyJet has announced a slew of new domestic routes across Germany, taking on. Con- rival Lufthansa in the wake of announcing that it plans to take over some of the assets from a defunct Air Berlin. The UK-based company on Wednesday said that it launched new routes uh, connecting Berlin with German cities of Dusseldorf, Frankfurt, Munich and Stuttgart. It also unveiled new routes from Germany to 15 international destinations including Vienna, Zurich, Mallorca and Katina. The airline already flies from Berlin's Schoenfeld Airport, but under a new deal to snap up assets from bankrupt Air Berlin, that's always an unpleasant word, isn't it? Especially when Mm. it's involving airlines. Uh, It will start operating from the city's Tegel Airport in early 2018. EasyJet is proud to deliver more competition and lower fares to passengers in Germany, particularly on domestic routes where there is currently limited choice, said Thomas Hagenson, Managing Director for EasyJet in Europe. Seats for the new routes are on sale for flights between the 5th and the 24th, 5th of January and the 24th of March. EasyJet plans to announce additional routes from Tegel for the summer season, starting at the end of March, in due course. Separately on Wednesday, EasyJet said that it recorded an 8% increase in over overall passenger numbers last month to 5.35 million. That drove the load factor, a common measure of capacity utilisation. God, they like their big words in here, don't they? Mm, uh, yeah. Up by 2.6 percentage points to 92.3%. Actually, that's not a bad load factor, is it? 92.3%. No, yeah, yeah, not many empty seats there, which for me is de- very depressing because I'm rather partial to a, an empty row. Uh, <laughs> oh yes, me too. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you feel like you're in business class when, when <clears> in fact you're not yeah. because you can stretch out. I was, we were very lucky coming home actually. I, I managed to have a whole aisle to myself when we came back from New York, and uh, yeah. I did literally fall asleep. I had to be woken up by the crew for my my meals. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's that's nice, isn't it? It, it makes such a difference, doesn't it? You've got that little bit of extra uh, lateral yeah. room as well. You're not uh, hemmed in, as it were. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Stuff. Very good. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, on to the next story then, and uh, this is from the derbytelegraph.co.uk um, and it's about Rolls-Royce who's having a few problems Uh-oh. with their Trent 1000 engines at the moment. And, this is uh, not good news. Uh, no, uh, an airline's been forced to cancel flights because of problems with Rolls-Royce engines on some of its aircraft. Air New Zealand said some Trent 1000 engines on its Boeing 787-9 Dreamliners required maintenance 
following two recent engine events. Uh, the airline had not disclosed details, but the New Zealand Transport Accident Investigation Commission so that it was investigating two events involving engine abnormalities on Air New Zealand aircraft this week. In a statement to the New Zealand Stock Exchange, the airline said that it would cancel and delay flights each day over the coming weeks to allow jets to undergo early maintenance. Uh, Rolls-Royce, um, which uh, has its ser um, uh, civil aerospace division based in Sinfin, said that it was working with Air New Zealand to minimi minimise disruption and restore full flight operations as soon as possible. In a statement, the firm said, we sincerely regret any disruption caused by our engine that our customer is experiencing. We're working together to minimise this impact and restore full flight operations as soon as possible. We have a clear service management plan in place with all operators uh, to undertake this work and minimise disruption. Uh, the uh, Trent 1000, which was designed and developed at Rolls-Royce's Derby site, first entered into commercial service in 2011 with all Nippon Airways. Last year, ANA reported a problem relating to the Trent 1000 turbine blades, and it said that under certain flying conditions, the blades became damaged by corrosion. Engines on all 50 of its Dreamliners were checked, and only a handful showed signs of turbine corrosion. Uh, Rolls-Royce replaced those parts and later came up with a new blade design. Last month, a more powerful and efficient version of the Trent 1000 called the Trent 1010 entered into service with three operators Air New Zealand, Norwegian, and Scoot. Now, of course, the nice thing about engines these days is the absolute reliability of them, isn't it? We just yeah. take it all, all for granted. And But, of course, uh, Rolls-Royce um, and other engine manufacturers do report all of their uh, engine um, details yeah. back to, to base. So, actually, the what they can see going on there, they can get an idea of, of what's going on. So, although th there's some inconvenience here, I don't think it's a major safety issue because they've actually found out what, what the problem is. So, more or less straight it. away, haven't they? They haven't messed around. But, Inevitably, yeah. yeah, there are going to be some flights delayed and there things are. grounded. And uh, we can think of uh, Acme Red, I think, that's got some trouble there at the moment. Similar and, issues, uh, yeah. and, and one or two others. So, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they're on the case. Um, so I think it'll be a, a fix, which they'll roll out, and all, uh, it'll be okay. It'll be okay, so in, in, mm. in, all in good time. Yes. So I'm delighted to say that we've finally been joined by our, our um, not-quite-so-surprising special guest. Uh, y y your taxi crisis has been sorted, sir? Well, eventually. <laughs> very good. So very good to have you on the show, sir. Welcome aboard, welcome aboard. Thanks very much for having me again. And we'll, we'll bash straight on, if we may, please, with story number six. Story number six. Right, well, story number six um, is from the Express.co.uk, and it's as... Queen Elizabeth beats jet lag with this very odd technique. Uh, the <laughs> Queen Elizabeth travels around the wor world on various state visits, and how she beats jet lag when abroad has been revealed. Queen Elizabeth, at 91, has travelled across the globe since taking the throne in 1952, becoming one of the most well-travelled royals in British history. Her travels have taken her some places more often than others, with Canada being the most visited destination, whilst others such as Israel and Greece are yet to be visited by Her Royal Highness. With a large amount of travel comes jet lag, something that plagues even experienced travellers. The Queen has a very unique way of beating jet lag when she lands after a long flight. The longest serving monarch uses two things to try and escape the grasp of jet lag. According to the Independent for jet lag, she takes homeopathic medicines and barley sugar. 
Surprisingly, sugar is something that many experts recommend to avoid when trying to stave off the symptoms. This is cause it can cause a spike in blood sugar levels, with a which will crash later, causing fatigue. Mm. The queen must also travel with one particular item for a rather morbid reason. A black outfit for mourning must always be taken abroad in the case of a royal in case of a royal death. Members of the royal family must also abide by this rule, including Prince Harry and Prince William. Queen Elizabeth was once caught uh, out by this upon the death of her father in 1952, where she landed in London without the outfit and was forced to wait on the plane until one was brought to her. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, that's that for beating uh, jet lag, homeopathic medicines and um, barley sugar. See, I, I, I didn't realise that. Um, I, I, I didn't realise there was a thing about uh, 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 it's like sugars and stuff should be avoided if you're um, sort of you know to avoid and beat beat jet lag. That's not something I was aware of, to be honest. I, yeah. I think it, it just just depends who you are, doesn't it? Really, it, different things work for different mm. people. I, definitely. I imagine, so, yeah. yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, I know a lot of colleagues in other airlines tend to use. Uh, is it? Melatonin, yeah. am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. melatonin as a as a, a way to help them and sleep. On, I, on the I, one of the things, because I, mean, I, I may be a little controversial in what I'm about to say here, and don't get me wrong, I am a bit of a royalist, so I apologise in advance. Mm -hmm. But I very much doubt that um, the Queen will either ever be found, say, on an EasyJet flight, uh, and also I dare say she's not flying economy. Um, <laughs> yes, know, so this helps quite enormously. Yeah, this this yeah. presumably assists it massively when it comes to trying to avoid jet lag. If you can actually go to sleep, uh, <laughs> it's um, you know. <laughs> yes, no, no, no two ways about it. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah. Anyway, nice, nice to know what the the tips are. Indeed. Well, this is true. This is yeah. true. So uh, it's time for. The next story, uh, this is story number seven, and it's on the Sun newspaper uh, this time around. And the headline is, Snack Attacked. BA Chief says airline will not back down on charging short-haul passengers for food, even though they hate it. Uh, the boss of British Airways has dismissed calls for the airline to bring back free food and drink on short-haul flights, flights, even though it's unpopular with travellers. Alex Cruz came under fire after ending free catering for economy passengers on short-haul flights in January. The chief executive admitted the introduction of charges for food and drink was very difficult, but insisted it was the right decision. In a speech to the Aviation Club of Central London, Mr Cruz claimed BA remains a premium airline, but said customers expect low fares and we don't really make an apology for becoming more efficient to compete with rivals such as EasyJet and Ryanair. When charges for Marks and Spencer's products are were implemented, some passengers complained they missed out due to slow service, whilst others were disappointed at having to pay when snacks were previously complimentary. Asked by former BA Concorde pilot John Hutchinson if he planned to change the complete disaster of a policy, Mr Cruz responded, it was absolutely the right decision. He accepted that it was very difficult at the beginning, but said that it was due to a logistics issue that took us uh, a number of months to get worked out. Mr Cruz, who joined BA in April last year, joined the audience, low fares are popular and for many, uh, sorry, he told the audience that low fares are popular and for many customers, they are what they expect. 
but they don't happen by magic. They happen because an airline has got itself in the right shape to be able to offer them. And I think actually this is something that we've we've covered before, isn't it? Where actually sometimes when these these legacy carriers that are used to being sort of well, I suppose for want of a better word, like luxury airliners, um, mm, you know, when yeah. they try and switch to the short haul mo- model, and I, and I I I do include Monarch in that where they went from being very yeah. much like BA weren't they where you know you've still got like exemplary service um you yeah. know um most and most I, I mean how many nevs passenger experiences have we listened to with uh, people that uh, I've been interviewing yeah. uh, saying exactly the same thing they yep. they just take the the whole concept of this and to yep. think that BA uh, are even competing with Ryanair and EasyJet on yep. some of these routes um yeah. is is madness that if they should be if they want to be that the premium airline yeah. with the premium cost and the service that goes with it and I think trying to uh, downscale some of their operations into uh, you know low cost models uh, is it's just not working at all. Do you think and, it's because uh, they're sort of? I mean, is it because they're they're not making money as as a you know a legacy well, sort if, of quality? As we all know, I mean, BA tend to only make money on the long haul business class yeah. and first class routes. I mean, you know, the economy fares are, are what they are, and that's not. I mean, that's enough to break even possibly, but actually, the real money is made uh, at the sharp end of the aircraft. But, the, uh, but, non- but nonetheless, I think that this whole thing is just you know putting people off, isn't it? So you just think, well, why would you? Why would you then try? If you you know, it's like why are you trying to compete with the likes of of, of Ryanair and EasyJet when you're not that sort of carrier? I mean, it's I, th- I think it's just an overreaction by BA because obviously they're seeing the load factors that EasyJet are Ryan- mm. and Ryanair getting on the you know mm. short haul European operations or you know Edinburgh, Inverness, Glasgow kind of routes, Dublin maybe as well. Um, but yeah, they they really. Uh, they've they've got some learning to do here, and uh, I've seen various interviews that Alex Cruz has given about this, and uh, uh, it'll all be, it's going to be in the detail. I mean, either they get their act together here, or, or they're just going to have to, you know, ch- change course completely. Stick to what they're good at, essentially. Well, they're yeah. going to have to really listen to their customers over this one, because yeah. if they if they lower themselves to a level where they are competing with low cost carriers. Uh, then I think the market for them is going to drop off fairly dramatically because there are so many established low-cost carriers out mm. there who already have the market share for this, that, and the other. Yeah. If they're not going to uh, offer or be the premium uh, premium airline in in UK and Europe, well, I I don't see there's going to be um, too much of a a need for their, them in the market. Yeah and, yeah, and I think this is the thing, isn't it? You know, why why don't they just stick to what they're good at, which is the long haul routes, and and just concentrate on, you know, I mean, I mean, from my point of view, I mean, I'd love to fly British Airways all the time, but it, it's simply a cost factor as far as I'm concerned, you know, and and it's, you know, but even even um, you know on a short haul route, I am unable to afford a British Airways flight. You know, it, it is it is EasyJet or Ryanair that the one are the ones that I'm looking for if I'm just wanting to sort of go to Europe somewhere. But having said yeah. that, I mean, we nearly ended up and very much wished we had been with BA going out to the states because there really wasn't. I mean, there was there was probably I say only, but there was probably about 150 quid between the two. Um, you know, going with with BA over over United. You know, when we went out yeah. to, to New York, there really wasn't much. In it, and actually, I'd you know I'd have probably gone you know if it had been me, I'd have gone BA over United every time. But mm. oh, interestingly enough, when I was going um, to the the US and and back again, um, I flew with both BA and uh, Aer Lingus. Mm. 
Mm. And Aer Lingus are a company who have done what BA have done in to turn themselves uh, from a flag carrier, a luxury airline, into pretty much a, a low-cost airline in in uh, within Europe. And uh, actually, they're they're going even one step further in the, the starting. Uh, to charge for check luggage and to start charge for um, certain uh, items in the bar on board uh, the trans the transatlantic routes as well, mm. but they've actually done it really really effectively, and they've they've really done their their research. So there haven't been too much uh, backlash or there hasn't been too much um, complaints from what I can see. No. No, uh, but yeah. I mean, I mean, and your experience presumably was quite a positive one um, um, with Aer Lingus. <laughs> Mine was a very positive experience, but uh, when you're in the industry, you, you tend to know how things work. Right, okay. I suppose you're, you're right, <laughs> yeah. okay, yes. Yeah. Knowing the right things to say, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. But I mean, I mean if, you, if, you were, if you were to compare, say, British Airways with, with say, Aer Lingus in that experience, I mean, what is it that they've, that they've perhaps got right for example, that say British Airways are are missing a trick on. I mean, what? Where are they going wrong? Um, I think uh, Aer Lingus have managed their stock and how much they have of everything on board a lot better than BA have. The last two times, three times that I flew with BA, uh, there were certain things that I wanted to buy that haven't been in stock. You know, and these are morning flights, so. Uh, maybe not the, right. the earliest flight, but there, okay. there's certainly um, there's something there. Um, I think pricing as well. If BA want to stay cut above the rest and only charge, they need to charge a, a, a little bit less. Um, I mean, for, you could argue it's, it's it's quality products that they're selling but i mean i mean nev do you think this is possibly because they've you know you know they admit in this story obviously that we're reading where that there were mistakes made if you like at the at the beginning while they were trying to work it you know work it out yes and i think um what that what's happened now is that it's gone so far badly wrong and and yeah. they, it's a, there's a lot of focus groups uh, clients and, and passengers that BA uh, ask about you know their opinions about it and all the rest of it but they're just so hell-bent on on this route now now if they had everything that you wanted on, on board so if they had the marks and Spencer's things that you wanted and it didn't take them the whole flight to actually do the, mm. the, the service in the aircraft actually I think the cabin crew hate this as well I've not spoken to any <laughs> cabin crew at BA that go oh it's a great idea you know we're, we're really <laughs> yeah. getting much yeah, more uh, value I mean so, so yeah. the, the poor people that have to operate this service mm. it's a disaster for them as well and all that of course they're at the front end uh, they're getting all the backlash from the passengers and I've been there and, and seen it happen first uh, first yeah. so I think really uh, that they, there's going to have to be some review here of some sort. And I, I don't know. I think the Air Lingus thing works well, obviously, because of the you know the, the Ryanair uh, involvement with with Air Lingus in terms of how much they own of the airline already. So mm. you know yeah, they, no, they, it, they, they've got a better. It thing, definitely did. Um, ha they definitely have a head start, and but yeah. I mean, as part of the IAG uh, uh, group, I mean, you'd think that they might be sharing a little bit of the. Uh, of the strategy with yeah, BA, exactly. Um, but, but of course, I suppose. I mean, the, the other the other issues they've got they've they've come fresh into. It. I mean, certainly the problems in the early days. These these guys aren't used to having to do sort of you know on demand service, uh, you know, and it is very different if you've got sort of people people where they've got like their hat. You know, uh, the only thing that you're having to differentiate is identify who's having a halal, you know, like you know, mm. or, or a or a kosher meal or or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So it's all you had to do was identify who'd got um 
special dietary requirements, if you like. Other than that, it was basically chicken or fish, you know. <laughs> and, and, yeah, no, it, it is very different. It is very, very different. Um, and the way I see the cabin crew work on the the other airlines as opposed to uh, on my own where we do charge for everything it's it's a completely different way of working and it is. definitely a different mentality yeah. but then i mean uh, you know again uh, with these low-cost airlines I, I don't whether it's because they've been doing them so for so long or whatever but you don't have to wait forever you don't have to wait till the end of the flight for your meal you know so you, things are heated up and that kind of thing they, uh, what are the uh, comments in in the chat room anything of um of note yeah, yes, I think it's very much the same. Uh, and uh, Tom says that uh, BA using their competitive advantage of a uh, uh, Heathrow monopoly and seeing how far they can make the, the pip squeak in a sense. And actually, <laughs> obviously, they they do have you know a significant advantage there, and they, and they uh, that will continue to, to to be the case. Nonetheless, I think that um, BA will start to lose a, a lot of their short haul. Uh, customers to the low-cost carriers for exactly the reasons we, we've just been talking yeah. about. So yeah. um, they they have to make a change somehow. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, watch yeah. this space as to to where's best to go. Then, so we'll throw the next one to you. Then, please, who's who's next? I've forgotten. Must... Uh, I can do the next one if you want. Okay, yeah, uh, okay. So Far away. This is from the uh, Sunday Morning Herald. Sorry, Sydney Morning Herald in New South Wales. Beg your pardon. And. Um, it's uh, about the Hollywood star John Travolta, and he's confirmed that he'll be on board the Boeing 707 aircraft. He's donating to the Historic Aircraft Restoration Society, oh, cool. HARS. HARS president Bob Delahunty has flagged the plane uh, wouldn't arrive without Travolta, and the movie megastar this week locked in his special appearance at the Illawarra Regional Airport. Travolta and his vintage passenger jet will touch down at the airport sometime in 2018, uh, with the exact date is yet to be determined, but it is, it is expected to be towards the tail end of the year. Mr. Delahunty told Fairfax on Thursday that it was fully intended Travolta would be on the plane when it arrived on Australian soil from the US. We wouldn't see it as being in our interest if we didn't bring him with us so it's certainly the case he said and, uh, Mr Delahunty said Travolta had indicated he would stay quite some time and was keen to go flying in Connie the society's super constellation aircraft whilst in town uh, Travolta revealed that he had gifted the ex-Qantas plane which bears the unique registration 707 Juliet Tango to Haas in a shock announcement made via social media on May the 27th. At the time, Travolta, who's a qualified pilot and Qantas ambassador, said the plane needs a lot of work to be restored to a safe flying state. Having seen firsthand the dedication and passion of people at Haas, I have no doubt this beautiful and historic aircraft will be flying again, he said in his announcement. Mr. Delahunty said the project would cost more than the initial uh, 1 million uh, uh, Australian dollars, uh, and there were still many challenges and obstacles but we've only just been given a reasonable picture of what work needs to be done with the aeroplane so we're just evaluating all that is there at the moment it's many millions of dollars we didn't expect anything less but now that we know that we need to find uh, we can break it down and we work with people who have shown interest in what we're doing Haas engineers have been in the US and held talks with the Federal Federal Aviation Administration and uh, Mr. Delahunty said that the ongoing engineering discussions meant no firm arrival date could be given at this stage the maintenance package alone when it begins would take 120 days so it's a, a lot of work to do on this aircraft but it would be great wouldn't it to uh, have it flying that again uh, with uh, Travolta on board that would be great absolutely oh, yeah yeah definitely uh, Owen perhaps I can trouble you to take the next story please because I've had that rather rare thing Nev I've had a Mac crash 
that that, that has never happened. No, yeah. indeed. Uh, this is this is this is a cl- <laughs> clearly a momentous day. Uh, so uh, wow. perhaps, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, Glenn Towler in the chat room, I'm sure, will will comment on that. Will he? Okay. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. Yes. Okay. Well, I must admit, it's a first for me. Anyway, there mm, we are. Okay. It's all part of the fun. Uh, so yeah, Owen, if you could perhaps take the next one, please. <laughs> Okay, so this is an interesting one. This is from foxnews.com. Oh, uh, oh no, fake Forrest news, everyone. Trump. Fake news, fake news. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, This is uh, published yesterday. It says, Alaska, Air- Alaska Airlines offers early boarding for passengers in ugly Christmas sweaters. Hey, nothing wrong with a Christmas sweater. Is there now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just knew that a heinous holiday sweater would come in handy. Alaska Airlines has announced they will now be celebrating National Ugly Holiday Sweater Day on <laughs> December the 15th, allowing passengers in festive seasonal sweaters to board early that day. The too-good-to-be-true promotion will be honoured across the airline's 115-city network, including all Alaska, Virgin American and Horizon flights. Right. Travel during the holidays can be stressful for guests, especially for those who do not travel often, said Natalie Bowman, uh, Alaska Airlines Managing Director of Marketing and Advertising in a press release. This fun promotion not only allows guests to board early on that day, but gives people another opportunity to dust off that ugly holiday sweater hanging in the back of their closet, she added. Right. To further embrace the, holi- uh, the seasonal spirit, holiday-centric boarding music will jingle across all flights through the month of December. Will it? Right. Passengers are also encouraged to document the experience using the hashtags hashtag ugly sweater day and hashtag most west coast. <laughs> this is the first year that Alaska Airlines has par- partnered with National Ugly Holiday Sweater Day. The airline is perhaps eager to espouse some light-hearted fun in the wake of Randy Zuckerberg's allegations that the airline allowed a passenger to make a lewd sexual remarks during her flight. Mm. Well, we'll skip over that. Though. Yeah, yeah, we'll gloss over that. Yes, yes, it's gloss a fa- family show, ladies and gentlemen. Family yeah, exactly. show. Yeah, indeed. Okay. I-, I was hoping to be able to show show you some pictures, but the machine hasn't uh, come back to life yet. So, uh, uh, yes, it's it's uh, yes. Uh, were there were there some examples of said heinous uh, jumpers? Uh, there I, are a few, yeah. Well, I'm not really sure what constitutes a, a, a heinous um, jumper, frankly. I mean, <laughs> I think it's all a matter of opinion, isn't it? Really? Is what it? Right. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yes. I mean, obviously, Nev. I mean, your your jumper is frankly fabulous. I mean, it's um, well, yes. It's. I mean, it's, it looks it's quite subtle, but it, yeah, it's quite quite a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of stuff on it there. It is. It's, oh, it's oh, very it's festive. Like, yes. It is very yes. festive. Yes. I, I I am suitably impressed. Uh, but yeah. uh, I need to get myself a festive <clears throat> jumper now. Have you not got one? Oh, dude! Not here. I don't. I don't think here in UK. Right. Okay. All right. Well, that's your job for the weekend then, Owen, uh, is to, yes, to find yourself yes. a festive jumper. Absolutely. Uh, Stephanie says um, Target is selling ugly sweaters this year. What is an? Oh, see, I'm really confused. What is an ugly sweater? What constitutes an <laughs> ugly sweater? <laughs> Okay, uh, Nev. Perhaps you could take the next story, please, yes, while I'm while I'm still struggling here in the studio. Yeah. 
Well, it's a, a good news story for the Airbus fans amongst us. Uh, this is on Flight Global. And uh, Airbus is set for another busy final month as it ended November with deliveries still short of the 600 mark. But the airliner has been aiming to deliver 700 to 720 aircraft this year. But the figure of 591 by the end of November, whilst up on last year's 577, means it would need to hand over another 129 in December to reach the upper end of its target range. Airbus managed to deliver 111 aircraft during a particularly pressured December last year. But its delivery so far includes 69 A350s and 14 A380s. Uh, the airframe uh, delivered 74 aircraft in November. Airbus has yet to record the huge order for 430 aircraft tentatively sealed by Indigo Partners during the Dubai Air Show. And the airframe has, however, listed CDB Aviation Lease Finance Agreements for 45 A320neo family jets, which accounted for the entirety of its November order total. CDB's deal, also unveiled at the Dubai Show, comprises 30 A320neos and 15 A321neos, and gives CDB a total backlog of 58 320neos and 32 321neos. The agreement takes Airbus's orders for the first 11 months of the year to 333 aircraft, including 287 single-aisle jets, of which 185 are re-engined variants. Its net order, uh, orders also feature 40 A350s, all the 900 version bar one, plus 83 uh, 8330s so there's uh, they've got a little bit to do in the, in the last uh, few weeks of the year but uh, yeah. there's some stuff going on there isn't there no doubt about it. and that that's uh, that big order or it's not an order but it's a mm. you know a heads of agreement kind of thing yeah, uh, yeah. the Dubai Air Show was, was massive wasn't it for 430 it was, yeah, aircraft absolutely. Re absolutely really so really up, put yeah. the cat amongst pigeons as far as uh, Boeing were concerned certainly but uh, I think uh, CBD is a Chinese um is a Chinese firm, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. I think that's who uh, who bought all, yeah. um, a lot of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, we mentioned Boeing there briefly. Uh, the next story we're sticking with Flight Global for for this one is that Boeing delivers its fiftieth seven three seven Max. So Boeing has delivered the fiftieth seven. Obviously, Carlos could possibly allow Airbus to have any significant airtime, so immediately <laughs> has to throw it in. So, so as Boeing has delivered its the 50th 737 MAX 8 so far this year, after handing over the first of the re-engined single-aisle family to Mila, is it Mal Malindo in May. Who's Malindo? Is that an air carrier? Anyway, uh, fleet uh, flight fleets analyzer shows uh, with one month of production remaining, the milestone delivery indicates Boeing is on track to meet a target of about 52 to 78 deliveries of the 737 Max in 2017. That range comes from Boeing's guidance to investors that 10 to 15 percent of all 737 deliveries this year will be the re-engined model to accommodate the 737 Max. Boeing opened a third assembly line with the within the existing production complex for the 737 in Renton, Washington. The first uh, the first several 737-8s were assembled exclusively on the third line. Boeing has since introduced the re-engined model in one of the other two 737-NG lines as deliveries ramp up. With monthly deliveries of all 737s set at 47 from August through to December, Boeing should deliver around 522 737s this year. 
14 different airlines now operate 50 the operate the 50 737-8s uh, delivered so far this year after delivering 16 737-8s in November alone uh, Boeing is on track to deliver a total of 67 aircraft if it keeps the same pos- uh, the same pace through December so plenty plenty of these 737 maxes uh, mm. hit, hitting this hitting the skies as it were yeah, that is an insane amount of aircraft getting delivered every single day. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, what was it? Sort of, sort of something, sort of like sixteen in November alone. Sixteen aircraft mm. being, you know, that's that's one every sort of couple of days, isn't it? That's crazy. Yeah, amazing. Boeing and Tractic deliver a total of sixty-seven aircraft if it keeps the same pace through December. That's, in, I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing how many they can push out. And a, what a fantastic uh, aircraft it is too! Yeah, I've not seen I've not seen one. How how much a single aisle? It's um so that's that's sort of like three on either side, I presume. Is it something? These like are that? the ones we use. Oh, oh, of course it is. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, and uh, I can't wait to get the Max as well. That would be. Yeah. A, yeah. Oh, need to lie down. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking. I'm sure that end that the number was really familiar to me, and it's just. <laughs> <laughs> there we are, you see. I never said I was any good at this airplane rubbish. No. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, no, perhaps I could... Uh, no, hang on. Who, who's he? Well, it's uh, Owen, if you could take the next one, I think. Okie dokie. So this is from thediplomat.com, and this says, China built world's largest amphibious aircraft ready for flight. The maiden flight of the new aircraft will uh, is expected to take place in the coming months. China is readying its massive Jiaolong uh, Water Dragon AG-600 seaplane for its maiden flight. According to Chinese state media, the seaplane purportedly is the world's largest amphibious aircraft, has passed the official technical quality assessment for its maiden flight. The technical evaluation was held in Zhuhai City in uh, China's Guang. Guangdong province. I beg your pardon. Um, <laughs> expert agreed that the plane is ready for flight. Xinhao News Agency reports. The new account appears to contradict earlier reports that the maiden flight of the AG600 aircraft had already taken place in May of this year. The seaplane's developer, a state-owned aviation industry uh, corporation of China, announced in April following the successful completion of a taxiing test that the AG600's maiden flight would take place in May, followed by a flight on the water in the second half of 2017. It's unclear what actually caused the delay, though. The AG600's is primarily marine search and rescue and firefighting duties. However, the aircraft can also be used for military purposes, including transport supplies and military personnel to Chinese-controlled islands in the South China Sea. Assuming, as claimed by the plane's developers, that the AG-600 only requires a water depth of 2.5 metres for landing and takeoff, it would be an ideal aircraft to supply some of China's artificial features in the Spratly Islands, given that they are now surrounded by shallow waters. It could also be used for long-range controls, anti-submarine warfare tasks, mine-laying missions. Uh, however, the Chinese military appears to be less impressed by the aircraft so far as one analyst has noticed. As I reported previously, the Boeing 737-sized uh, AG-600 aircraft is 37 metres long and has a wingspan of 38.8 metres, powered by four turboprop WJ-6 engines, 
The seaplane's maximum take takeoff weight is 53.5 tons, its maximum cruising speed 500 kilometers per hour, and the maximum operational range without refueling is 4,500 kilometers. It purportedly can collect 12 tons of water in 20 seconds and transport a grand total of 370 tons of water in a single run. China has ordered 17 AG600 aircraft and is considering purchasing an additional 53 in the coming years. Malaysia and New Zealand have allegedly expressed interest in the new aircraft next to a number of other Asian countries. China is reportedly also interested in building a tourist variant of the aircraft to shuttle Chinese tourists from the mainland and back and forth as part of Beijing's plan to transform some of China the Chinese-held islands into tourist destinations. So that was a bit of um, <laughs> bit that of was a bit of a long one. I yeah, have, uh, I have, yeah. Um, but essentially, they've built a new aircraft and they've yes. got to fly it. Right. Uh, well, that's um, yes, and an amphibious one at that. At that. Uh. Hmm. <laughs> I have to say, uh, only two and a half meters of water for such a large aircraft. That is quite impressive. Uh, yeah, indeed. That so, is that is very impressive. I have to say. I never un I never really understand this whole amphibious thing. I, I mean, it's like my idea of an amphibious vehicle is the what is like you know the the car slash boat that you used to see in Bond. Uh, mm. <laughs> you know, that's my idea of an amphibious vehicle. But <laughs> yeah, but I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of islands are going to benefit from this, I, I assume, or hopefully. <laughs> well, that is. True. I'm sure there's a market for them somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Indeed, uh, Nev, if you could take the last story. Please. Oh, thanks for this one, Matthew. Oh, um, yes, this is a. Uh, is it horrible? Sorry, it's one of those one of those and we, finally stories. Oh, is it? Well, you know how I don't like, you know how I don't like to read the show notes. You see, so I haven't actually yeah, read the story. No, it's, well, we'll see how we get on with this. But, okay. So I have warned the chat room that um, they might want to put down their knife and fork if they are eating at this stage. Oh. Um, oh and, dear. Uh, <laughs> Delhi residents say that they're being rained on by air. Line passenger poop. Oh dear! <laughs> oh dear! Near Delhi Airport in India claim that poop, human poop to be exact, oh. has been pelting them from the sky. Oh no! <laughs> Last Friday, the country's environmental court, the National Green Tribunal, tasked a committee to investigate whether the feces are of human origin. The order came after the residents complained again that waste had been raining on their homes. The court suspects that the feces could be bird poop. What makes them think that it belongs to avians is unclear. Excrement <laughs> samples will be collected by the Directorate General of Civil Aviation, Central Avian Research Institute and Central Pollution Control Board according to the India Times. But the culprit seems obvious. Last year, residents from the same neighbourhood issued several complaints about aircraft seeping sewage mid-air. It's difficult to say whether Delhi Airport experiences a higher rate of this, but other airports, such as Salt Lake International Airport in Utah, have reported similar incidents. Uh, Satwan Singh Dahaya, a resident near New Delhi's airport, filed a case in October saying houses in his neighbourhood were damaged by faeces dumped by airlines at night, Bloomberg reported in December 2016. In another incident, a 60-year-old woman suffered a shoulder injury <laughs> in December oh, last no. year, <laughs> probably caused by a human excreta falling from the sky. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's high-velocity <laughs> stuff there, isn't it? What indeed. Um, high speed as well. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, and the case involving 60-year-old Raj Rani Gold involved a frozen chunk of ice 
containing feces and urine. Gold told the uh, Times of India, the football-sized chunk ricocheted off a roof, nearly missing her head. <laughs> <laughs> the National Green Tribunal, as a result, ordered in, in India's director, uh, Directorate General of Civil Aviation to prohibit planes from releasing human waste containers whilst in the air. If a plane's toilet repository is found empty upon landing, the airliner will pay a fine of 50,000 rupees or $777. To be clear, planes can't empty their sewage waste tanks mid-flight. Crews can only access uh, wastewater tanks from a valve on the outside of the plane, according to federal, uh, the FAA. Which, uh, which so I must have. Yeah, which, so what's going on when a plane has a faulty wastewater system? Something called blue ice, poop, pee, and a toilet deodorizer called Anatec can seep into its exterior. The air temperature uh, freezes into into chunks, and when the plane descends, the icy mixture breaks away. Well, what a what a mucky what tale! A that lovely is. story. Well, I mean, it must be a fault, surely, because I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm. I was very much under the impression that obviously the days of, of even trains, you know, they, they, they are sealed units. They don't sort of drop on the tracks like they used to. I mean, I, I sort of assumed that those days were very much, um, you know, behind us. <laughs> Clearly uh, not. They're, they're, <laughs> I, I don't know, uh, but it, it's, it's very rare that uh, leaks like these happen. I mean, oh, I I just can't I just can't get my head around it. I genuinely can't get my my head yeah. around it. It's just weird. Um, it's uh, yeah. I I, I I I literally don't know what to do with that information. Uh, <laughs> anyway, luckily on that rather uh, well unnecessarily uh, mucky note, uh, that's that brings the commercial segment uh, to, to the end. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Chat, there, yes, please, please bring some Thanks. decorum back immediately. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Right, well, uh, next up we've got an awesome interview uh, that Carlos made at the uh, Dubai Air Show uh, when he was there, and uh, it's, it's a really good one, actually, this. I really like it. And uh, he was talking to uh, Adam Gobo, who's pilot of Lomax Archangel Block 2. And uh, so, have a listen to this. Hope you enjoy it. So I'm sitting here with uh, Adam Gobo, and uh, I've just been outside and had a look at an amazing-looking aircraft. So Adam, tell us, uh, tell us, what is this um, just totally amazing aircraft we're sitting next to outside here? Well, this is the Iomax Archangel. This is our Block 2. Uh, we've learned a lot from our uh, Block 1 and uh, our previous operations with the air tractor. Uh, one of the things that you'll notice on this that's a uh, kind of an eye-catcher is the uh, big MX-25 on the, uh, underneath the aircraft. This is also our full loadout, so what you see right now uh, can still be airborne for over seven hours. So we, we were just talking briefly before about the old school, new school. This aircraft uh, was born as a crop duster, uh, but it never saw any crop dusting time. It comes straight from the factory at Thrush in Albany, Georgia, to our facilities, and we take everything down to where it's just the frame and the motor, and we put it all back together. There's over six miles of, of wire in this aircraft, all of our pylons are smart, all six of them. Uh, so we're running 1760, 1522, and Ethernet. So anything that's on a 14-inch lug, we can mount to this aircraft. So what our customers get out of this aircraft is, is something that can fly airborne for 
uh, a flight hour cost in accordance with the, the Air Force uh, formulas for about $820 a flight hour. But you still get GBU-12, 500 pound, or Hellfire, or laser guided missiles with our Jarrett. Uh, this is, uh, for a ground force commander, this is his dream right here. Because what we can do is we can stay over a target within 50 nautical miles of where his FOB is. So we can take off and land at 3,000 feet on a dirt strip, fully loaded, no problems. And that's kind of that old school, new school, and why it's a tailwheel. It's made to land on an austere dirt, not necessarily a smooth, long, you know, 12,000 foot runway that's been FOD swept, you know, every, every couple hours. This aircraft is made to be out in the field and doing the mission. So. It's a good bit of audio for the show. Yeah, it is a good bit of audio. Got a parade going by. The, uh, the other thing that's really interesting about this aircraft, so it's not a typical Thrush 660. We modified the aircraft by pulling the cockpit forward and then we, we made it more mission orientated. So instead of just being a, a specialized aircraft, uh, we, we, it was born out of, out of being a crop duster, but it is no way a crop duster. Uh, we took where the, the spray would be in the uh, hopper tank, we turned that into a center tank. So that's a, right between where the smokestacks uh, are there for the exhaust and the windshield, there's a fuel tank in there, and that holds 320 gallons of fuel. So we have a lot of, of fuel, but what's great about this aircraft is I can take off and it just sips the gas. We're anywhere from about 400 to 500 uh, pounds per hour. So very, very economical for this aircraft to, uh, to stay over the target. And then going back to what we were talking about with a, uh, for the ground force commander, so from 50 nautical miles away from the target, I can stay airborne for about nine hours. If I want to go all the way out to 650 miles away, as my combat radius, that means go out, turn around, come back, I can go out there for an hour. So I have a, a real wide uh, range of, of, for this aircraft. I can patrol up and down borders, I can uh, sit on a target for a long time and let it develop. And that's what we're finding right now is, is a lot of the countries that we're talking to, um, they might have F-16s, they might have ISR, but it becomes very expensive to take an ISR aircraft a strike aircraft and then the support air elements for that strike aircraft plus all, all the people, all the parts, it, it becomes a, a huge production where with this aircraft we can do basically all those missions in one. So it's, it's truly a, a very economical but highly lethal uh, aircraft. So tell us a bit about um, what the aircraft's like to fly this inside, it's obviously a glass cockpit inside, um, is it is it you know, does it feel like a bit like a kind of fighter jet as such? You know, when you're, uh, it feels like a fighter jet in the fact that we use the same uh, HOTAS system as, as uh, you have in a fighter jet. What you'll notice in this aircraft is the only time that it really acts like a tailwheel is on landing and taxi. Other than that, it's just a normal aircraft when it's flying around. We have about a 3G um, maneuverability with the aircraft uh, because we have a long uh, constant cord. Uh, in the States we call it a Hershey bar wing. So it's just, it's made to do a lot of lifting. Uh, if, if you think about it, this is almost like a flying dump truck. It's, it's ready to, to haul a lot of armament, a lot of fuel up to altitude, sit over target and wait for it to develop and then be able to strike it. Instead of have to go up, come down, go up, come down, or be limited on what the payload is because of the fact that you don't have, you know, the, uh, um, the legs to get there. Yeah, so we have a lot of fuel. We have over 4,422 pounds of fuel in this aircraft, which is a lot.
for something that's only sipping about 400 to 500 pounds. So that's going to give us our 9 to 10 hour uh, endurance. So the aircraft has a special feature I noticed on the uh, the billboard outside there um, that uh, makes it easy to to move to various parts of the world. Absolutely. So that's uh, that's one of the reasons why we we partnered with Thrush for this aircraft. The wings can can come off the aircraft, and we have a uh, a carriage system that attaches. We unbolt the uh, the wing. We leave the pylons on, but we take the armament off, and then we can pull the wing off put it on a C-17, so two of them can fit on a C-17, three of them can sit on, fit on a C-5, and we can transport anywhere in the world. And from the time that the ramp drops, which is the video that you were seeing and, and your viewers can see at our website, uh, you have about 76 minutes before the aircraft's done. And that was taken uh, about five months ago. We've since perfected that to the point where from the time the ramp drops of a C-17 or C-5, my first aircraft within two hours is going to be airborne which is very, very uh, exciting for, for our customers with those uh, types of transport aircraft. The other part that's, uh, that's very interesting about this aircraft is that even though the wings break, we don't lose any structural um, uh, integrity for that. So it's just as strong, but we have this extra benefit. Uh, and when people see us doing it on the, it's, it's hard to talk about it. So when you see the video, you're like, that's, that's impressive, you know, that the wings can just be put on and flight controls attached. And that's one of the reasons why that old school, new school, there's no hydraulics on it except for the brakes. So it's all cable and pulley, it's all just attached, and that way it can be readied very quickly out in the field. Uh, if a C-17 can land there, we can land and take off there. So that's a, a huge benefit. We don't need that extra runway. Be, uh, so about 3,000 feet, we're in and out, no problem. So Adam, if I could ask a bit about yourself, where did DM, the aviation kind of uh, start for you, the passion? Sure. So. Um, Loved airplanes from a kid. Uh, didn't have matchbox cars. Had a, had airplanes uh, kind of thing for the diecast. Uh, and I started flying a lot, going back to visit family. And loved aviation. Got my pilot's license in high school. Uh, went off to the Marine Corps uh, for six years, and then uh, flew F-16s uh, for for about four years. Then I switched over to fly King Air 350s, doing ISR with the MC-12s. Did some contract ISR and. Uh, I've got experience in Africa, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, so pretty much all over this this uh, this area. I'm very familiar with, and it, it was one of the, when I found the company IOMAX, I saw something that kind of bridged the gap for me. So having been a ground you know uh, pounder and, and kicking in doors and, and doing that mission with the Marine Corps, and wishing you had on station some air asset that could support, but you might only have like an ISR aircraft. Well, he can't really stop that guy from shooting at me. Uh, he can tell me that he's shooting at me, which isn't the same. Um, and then I went into uh, F-16s, and now we're flying around, but we're, we're going around really fast. We're having to stay away from the target because we don't want um, them to hear our, our afterburners uh, or our, just our motor in general. And then I went into the King Air, which is kind of like just the ISR only side. So this aircraft, to me, was a culmination of all three of those those paths that I've taken into one aircraft, uh, which literally can be broken down and pushed out and put back together. So it's uh, it's pretty impressive, and, and it really gives the ground force commander at a uh, in the U.S. we call it an AGCON, TACON, OPCON. So he can have tactical control, admin control, and operations control at his level instead of having to go request assets that are have other demands on them, and you get in a priority structure. 
So that's where this aircraft is uh, uniquely suited uh, for, for our customers. So Adam, do you do any uh, sort of flying for sort of pleasure or family at home? Yeah, it's, it's funny you ask that. So I have, uh, I have gotten into uh, paramotoring, so it's paragliding with the motor on your back. I still fly, um, you know, our company aircraft, we've got the Cirrus, Cessnas, um, plus I fly this one. Um, but you know, for, for the aviation enthusiasts, there's just something about being airborne and not talking to anybody on a radio, just cruising around and just, just being in the, in the air. Um, it's one, one of the things, I've flown both the 802 and this one, and uh, the 802 we sit so far back that the wings, you, you can't really get a good view. You can see right below you, but you can't see kind of the in front of you, and, and uh, the paramotor's great because I'm just suspended underneath and I can, you know, tool around and have fun. Um, and my, my family thinks it's funny because, you know, I've done everything from 50,000 feet, you know, and, and Mach 2 to now I'm flying around at like 15... <laughs> 15 to 20 miles per hour, you know, 30 kilometers per hour type deal, and, and 50 to 500 feet off the ground. So, but I think it's a it's anybody that's into aviation, it's just any chance to go get airborne is 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 well worth it. I've never ever had a flight where I was like, man, I wish I wouldn't have, wouldn't have done that. You know, even with EPs and stuff like that, they're just good stories for later. You know. So Adam, what you got plans for the future? Anything uh, you want to kind of go to progress to? Or? No, this uh, for me. Th this is uh, this is my future right here with this aircraft. I um, my personal goal is to put it in the hands of uh, of, of the allies. You know, to, to give it to um, back to my, where my roots come from. Ideally, I mean, if I could, you know, produce this out and give it to all the uh, the battalions that are out there. Um, you know, they're they're using hand thrown UAVs and and small uh, scan eagles and things like that. But when this aircraft checks in, it's uh, it's like big, bringing your big brother, you know, into the room, and I mean, it's a, it's a it's a huge game changer, especially with the loadout that you see right now, and um, for your for your viewers. So we're, we're right now our, our aircraft's loaded out with two um, uh, Ace pods, which are where our uh, our flares are. In those, we're carrying a GB12, which is a 500-pound bomb. We're carrying two 250-pound uh, GB58s, eight laser-guided rockets, and two Hellfires. So when I check in, they're basically getting a Reaper, an Apache, you know, they're getting a very war machine, but with the, the, the ability to stay on station and be really, really quiet up at altitude, uh, so I don't burn the target, I don't give away their position, uh, but I can fully support them, which is just, the, you know, for me, that's, that's the best. So that's, my future is really, really based on this aircraft. So Adam, I'm going to wrap up the interview now. Just one last question. It's something we ask all the pilots and stuff on the show when we interview them at the air shows. Uh, kind of put you on the spot question. Um, given the chance to fly any aircraft, either retired or still flying, in the world, be it commercial or military, what would that one aircraft be? Mm. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, it, it's changed over the years. So it was the F-16, then I got to fly it, and she's still, she's still, uh, she's my first, and you, you always love your first. But, uh, um, and I, I've flown in a P-51, but I'll tell you, the, uh, for me, it would probably be the Sky Raider, because we're so aligned with that aircraft, uh, with that mission, um, and, and our speed. I mean, we can fly right next to helicopters, but we can carry that kind of armament. And uh, to fly a Sky Raider, especially one of the, uh, you know the, the the A1s. You know all by yourself and just you know all those hard points and it's it, it just nostalgic as far as going back to what that aircraft's mission was and, and kind of what it's evolved to in this aircraft. 
Well, Adam, I'm going to say thank you very much for your time on the show, on the Plain Talking UK podcast today. It's been absolutely fantastic to speak to you. I'm pretty sure the listeners are going to be very, very interested in what, uh, what you've said today. So on behalf of me, I'm going to say a massive thank you and uh, take care and all the best for the future. Yeah, thank you very much. And, and for your uh, listeners, they can go to www.iomax, that's I-O-M-A-X.net, see the aircraft. We've got videos on there. They can see the uh, wings coming apart see some of our highlight videos and our uh, engagements. Uh, and that's one of the things that I love about this aircraft is it's real. This is, uh, this is actually the 50th aircraft that we have built in this kind of genre. So and the other 24 of the Archangels are, are currently in combat uh, with the UAE. So uh, it's, it's very, um, for most people have no idea what this aircraft is, never seen it. But once they do, they're, they become a fan. Great. Well, Adam, thanks for your time. I'm going to get some great pictures of the the, uh, the aircraft for the listeners, and we're going to put this with the interview as well, so they'll be able to see uh, what it's all about. But um, thanks for your time, Adam, and uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you very much. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Flyby 5823 Trent Dane for 23R Manchester with Air 6X Climb Flight Level 210 Direct to Britain's Park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. London, two, TME, turn right onto Bravo, link, two, one, join, alpha, hold at Mora. Speedbird, four, seven, two, LOC, slash DME, approach runway, two, seven, left. Follow the green stand, five, four, four. That's enough air traffic control for today, Nat. Bedtime. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well, now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing-licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed-base Boeing 737-800 Flight Simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate flight simulator experience or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 340 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams.
That was a great interview from uh, Carlos there, wasn't it? It was, yeah, really good. And we've got one more of those to look forward to uh, next week. So, uh, yes, we've got one more to look forward to, uh, which is obviously filling in a little void that we have in our show at the moment. So, Nev, obviously, because the passenger flight experience is having a brief hiatus over the festive period. Uh, We are, yes. Just one thing before I go on. I actually uh, uh, misspoke, as they say in the media. Uh, The the aircraft involved was the IOMAX uh, Archangel. But yes, Nev's passenger experience is going to be back next year. Uh, more interviews, more mm. stuff, some uh, a few famous people lined yeah, up. Yeah, a couple, like I say, a couple of high, high get profile. Them as well. So yeah, uh, yeah it should, should be really good actually. So looking forward to recording some more of those uh, over Christmas and uh, playing them out next year. Indeed. So we're going to move on to something that we launched last week, which was the Christmas competition. Carlos has asked us to remind everyone about that. So I'm just going to run through the prizes very quickly. So our top prize uh, this year, so we've got three prizes in total this year. So top prize is a Stage 6 compressor fan blade from Zulu Delta 992, a T8 Harrier jump jet, which includes a Haynes manual. Very, very exciting. Uh, uh, Prize number two is a piece of Richard Branson's ex-Boeing 747-400 Reg Golf Victor Foxtrot Alpha Bravo. That's the Lady Penelope and an associated Haynes manual. I don't know where he's getting these Haynes manuals from. For I didn't think such things existed. And third prize, and it's not a booby prize, despite what anyone says, and I really want one of these for my desk. So if anybody wants to buy me something nice for Christmas, I want one. It's this lovely Ryanair Boeing 737-800 model. So, uh, yes, those are the prizes that are available. We've already had some uh, questions, uh, some, some answers uh, come in this week, actually, haven't we? Yeah, saw those. Yep. So uh, good stuff. So uh, yes, thanks very much indeed for sending in your mm-hmm. answers. And uh, yes, we shall be uh, dishing out the uh, the prizes uh, later on. So uh, no, that'll be uh, fantastic. Indeed. So as a, for a quick reminder of the questions, I'm going to hand over uh, to somebody. He's actually he's here, which is, which is sort of a bit <laughs> of a surprise. But we're not going to make him do it live because that would be very mean. Because I've gone to all this uh-huh. effort, and those of you watching on YouTube will know why. So it's time for a quick rundown of the Christmas question. For your chance to win some fantastic prizes, all you have to do is answer these seven questions. What date was the first Boeing 747 rolled out of the Everett Assembly building? What year did the Airbus A300 make its maiden flight? What was the world's first airline to use an aircraft in revenue service? As of 2017, which airline has the world's largest fleet of commercial airliners? Which airline called itself the world's friendliest airline and painted a smile on the nose of its airplanes? Which two nationalised airline corporations and which two regional airlines were merged to form British Airways on March 31st, 1974? And what year was Ryanair founded? And what aircraft did they first fly? So for your chance to win these amazing prizes, send your answers in to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Best of luck.
I don't think I could have made that any more cheesier or any more Christmassy if I'd tried, really. <laughs> I thought it was superb, actually, and Owen did a great job on that. He did, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, showing off, look. Oh, I, honestly, I, I shouldn't tell you this. He was so pernickety about how we filmed that. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, we had, we had good fun. Filming, oh, we right? did have a lot of fun, yeah, absolutely. It wasted many hours of work time that I couldn't afford to lose. But other than many that, hours? <laughs> it didn't take that long. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, this on-screen talent can be very precious. I know, absolutely. But, uh, Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's only 11 and a half minutes of video. 11 and a half minutes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah like well, we've yeah. got to cut down to what, 1 minute 18? 1 minute 18, mm. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Some, some careful yeah. editing there. So, it's a, <laughs> so, so there we are. This, so this, this is the answer here. Yeah, As I say, don't be afraid. If you don't know the answers, that is what Google was invented for, let's be honest. So uh, yes. nobody has got any excuse not to send in an entry. So those three cracking prizes, don't make me go through them again because I've forgotten already. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yes, so uh, yes, thank you, Owen. So we're going to be playing that out, as I say. And the... Um, uh, uh, the answers will be uh, launched in our first live show after the Christmas break, as I say, because we're going to do a couple of. Uh, there will be we, we won't be live for a couple of shows over Christmas just because we deserve a break, frankly. So, <laughs> so there we are. Although actually, no, it's only one show now, isn't it? I think that we're mm. not doing a live yeah. one now because 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 of uproar from the chat room. But uh, oh yes, <laughs> they were not happy. Not Indeed, happy. yes, our Christmas show is going to be live uh, as it was once before. Um, so mm. uh, yes, I we might be live from the barn. Do you it, think? I think is it is plan? probably going to be live from the barn. Yes, indeed. Oh. Yeah. Oh, excellent. So absolutely, that. yes. So yes. Unfortunately, it is indeed a wonderful place. It is. Yes. <laughs> yes. In fact, actually, Owen, I'm sitting at your desk at the moment. It's currently surrounded by podcast equipment. So sorry about that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's okay when I'm not there. You know. No, thank. That's mm -hmm. very good of you. Thanks very much. <laughs> indeed. Uh, right. Okay. What have we got to do next? Some, somebody uh, got some show notes there. A bit of military uh, stuff. I'm, I'm pleased have to we? say. Oh, it's my, yes. my, my favourite segment. Actually. Is it okay? Um, <laughs> no. Don't sit on the fence, though, will you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Our chum Grant from Down Under has uh, sent us some uh, some good military stories this week. So uh, let's have a look at these. Well, this is from uh, defenseworld.net, and it says that Israel operationalizes the first set of F-35 fighter jets. And uh, the Israel Air Force has announced that F-35 fighter aircraft, Adir, are now operational. Israel has so far received nine aircraft of the 50 that it has ordered from U.S. Lockheed Martin, each costing approximately 100 to $110 million. The aircraft were received in three groups in recent years, uh, the uh, Globe's uh, magazine reported on Thursday. The first Israeli Air Force F-35 squadron is called Golden Eagle, and Israel is the first country in the world outside the U.S. to make operational use of these planes. The announcement of the operational fitness of the squadron is being made at a time when the Air Force is operating on a large scale on several fronts in a, in a Middle East that is constantly changing and being reshaped. Israel Air Force Commander uh, Major General uh, Norkin wrote in a special letter to Air Force soldiers. Making the idea operational adds a significant layer to the Air Force's capability at the current time, he said. And 41 more F-35s will land in Israel in the coming years, and Israel is considering whether to buy a third squadron of the fighters, thereby increasing its total order to 75 
planes. That's a significant uh, order and uh, obviously a massive commitment there, isn't it? Indeed, absolutely it is. So we'll move on to the next story then. This is, uh, if I've got this right, shout if I've got it wrong, Nevis. This is on the Aviationist and the headline is Israeli Air Force F-35I Adir involved, uh, ADIR, involved in a bird strike incident gets grounded. So an Israeli Air Force F-35 has been involved in an airstrike, in in a bird strike during a training sortie uh, and the incident has fueled some weird speculations. An Israeli Air Force F-35, is that L, I think? F-35I, maybe? A-D-I-R. Mighty was involved in a bird strike incident during a training sortie two weeks ago, the Israeli Defence Forces said on the 16th of October. The uh, pilot managed to land the airplane uh, safely back at um, the the Nevatim uh, airbase uh, Air Force Base in, in the Nagovi Desert, but uh, and no casualties were reported. This is the first incident uh, to an F-35 in IAF service uh, since the first two aircraft have been taken on by the 140 Golden Eagle Squadron in December last year. The IDF confirmed those details to Israeli media outlets during a training sortie. Two hits were found on the plane following, uh, following to a collision with a bird. After ev- an evaluation and assessment of the damage conducted together with the manufacturer Lockheed Martin the plane was sent to a normal maintenance uh, was sent to a normal maintenance and repair it will return into full service in the next few days seven ADIR aircraft have been delivered to the Israeli Air Force since uh, December 2016 in August a deal was completed for the purchase of another 17 such aircraft therefore 50 such aircraft will be operated by the IAF um, equipping two squadrons the total amount of the deal to purchase the 50 aircraft is estimated at six billion US dollars. Meanwhile, the Golden Eagle Squadron continues to perform a wide array of flight tests to verify the fifth generation aircraft capabilities. The squadron is scheduled to become operational by the end of the year. The news of the bird strike incident was released on the very same day the Israeli targeted a Syrian SAM battery that had attacked IDF aircraft during a routine flight over Lebanon, fueling speculations that the F-30 was not grounded by a bird strike but because it was hit by the Syrian air defences. In fact the Syrian air defence ministry said in a statement that government forces responded to the violation of airspace and directly hit one of the jets forcing Israeli aircraft to retreat. On the other side, uh, the Israeli denied any such aircraft hit uh, by the Syrian air defences, and this sounds quite reasonable, considered that the Israeli that the, that the Israeli has offered to sh- has often shown their ability to operate freely in Syrian airspace, and there would have been no reason to disclose a fake bird strike at all to cover a Syrian hit. So it's a slightly, slightly one of the story. Uh, reasons that I think uh, military news isn't featured as much as some people might like it to be yes. on this show is that I've always find that military stories are so difficult to read yes and uh, the last two have been uh, no exception either I no say. indeed although I have to say as I say this is where I'm very grateful because uh, Grant has chosen these <coughs> stories on the grounds because what actually prompted this is the conversation that I had with him saying it was that they're always so difficult to read and it's, you yes. know, so he's very kindly <laughs> chosen some slightly less okay. less challenging um, stories mm. if you like because yeah. I was saying that they're quite often quite bad Badly written, aren't they? But uh, they yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's uh, pretty good, really, on that front. So the final story, if we could perhaps give that one to you, please, Owen. So this one is from defensesnews.com. Uh, it says an F-35 loses aircraft panel during training flight near Okinawa. 
Um, a U.S. Air Force F-35 deployed to Kadena Air Base in Japan lost a tr lost a panel during a November 30th training flight over the Pacific Ocean. The service confirmed on Monday. An aircraft panel measuring approximately 12 inches by 24 inches dropped from an F-35A sometime during a routine training mission about 65 miles east of Okinawa, according to a news release from the 18th Wing Public Affairs at Kadena Air Base. The item was discovered missing by the pilot's wingman as the fighter jets were coming in for landing and was later confirmed missing after a post-flight inspection, the release stated. Because inspections are done also prior to takeoff, it is thought that the panel fell off sometime during the flight. Although the Air Force has not commented on or uh, confirmed the mishap prior to Monday, the Japanese media has been aware of this incident since it occurred on November the 30th. Nippon News Networks featured a footage of the F-35A showing the missing panel, when, uh, which was shared by aviation enthusiasts across Twitter. It was not clear whether any attempt would be made to recover the missing panel or whether the loss uh, of part of the F-35's structure causes any concerns for, from a safety or technological security standpoint. 12 F-35A's conventional takeoff and landing models from the 34th S Fighter Squadron at Hill Air Base, Utah, arrived in Kadena in uh, November for six months' stint in the Asia-Pacific. The first time the A variant has deployed to the region since it became operational in August 2016. The uh, deployment is being supported by more than 300 pilots, maintainers and other personnel. Unlike the F-35A's much-hyped development to Europe earlier this year, the Joint Strike Fighter has kept a low profile since coming to Japan. Kyodo News reported in early November that one jet had made an emergency landing, after which the aircraft was examined by firefighters. The Air Force called it a precautionary landing and said there was no risk of injury or property damage due to the event. The Air Force provided a few details about the purpose of the training mission that caused the loss of the aircraft panel. As a matter of policy, we do not discuss the details or specifics of our training operations, public affairs said in its statement. I must admit, this is one of the things that I always struggle with these stories, because, of course, quite often the, the juicy bit about the story, which you want to know why they were there in the first place, of course, we're not allowed to know, because yeah. cause it's, cause it's all... <laughs> it's all really. Yeah, it's all sort of like <laughs> official secrets acts and things like that. That's, uh, that's one of the things, because like, I dare say virtually every single story we ever read out to do with military, if you actually have all the details there, is genuinely fascinating, but, of course, it's all, it's all you know, you don't get to find out about it until 50 years' time. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. That's right. Yeah, indeed. So, um, so that brings the military segment uh, to a close uh, for this time. So uh, thanks very much, Dean, for, for Grant to uh, for uh, much, sending yeah. those over to Greatly us. I, I think. Um, but <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm, <laughs> no, seriously. Thanks, thanks, Grant. And uh, I say because he, he's he is a lot more up on it. You see, this is this is yeah. why it's you know. So and and it's like it's like uh, if you are a military expert, I know Glenn, Glenn Towler. I know. Um, uh, Jonathan Warner and and all that, 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 that you know. Please do send in military stories if you find some that are interesting to you, because you guys know far better the, than us if you like what's what's likely to be interesting when it comes to the military thing. Because we do want to cover it, but we do struggle to because because it's not an area that any of us have any knowledge. Well, I have no knowledge of aviation. Full stop. Uh, but <laughs> you know, it's like you know, it's uh, everybody else here is a little bit more expert when it comes to GA and sort of commercial air flight. But uh, we we, yes. we would 
really appreciate uh, any input from our listeners in regard to doing the military a bit better. That's our goal for 2018, is to yeah, improve I, I our military so. segment. That's good. Indeed. New Year's resolutions. Our New Year's resolution, indeed, is to be better yeah. at military next year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it's time to sort of start wrapping up, really, I think, guys. Yeah, so uh, don't think we've got a bit of housekeeping to talk about now. Do so, okay. uh, don't forget. Hang on, hang on. I'll, I'll open my show notes one moment. Oh, <laughs> excellent. Because uh, you read them. Uh, religiously, time, absolutely, you, yes, yes absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It don't tell Carlos. I do actually read the show notes every week. <laughs> I just enjoy winding him up because he drives me. It drives him mad that I don't. But oh, I do, I, I do really. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, the next show is going to be on Saturday, yes, the sixteenth of December. In a change uh, to the usual programming. Yep. Yeah, and that's going to be at ten a.m. Uh, yep. UK time. So that's Saturday, the sixteenth of de- uh, December, at ten a.m. Yep. And uh, of course, after that, we've got the Christmas special show, which really will be the last show of twenty, the okay. last live show of twenty seventeen. Mm, yeah. Yep. And that's on Thursday, the 21st of December. Yeah. Uh, and we're looking probably for a start time of about 7.30 yeah, in the evening, absolutely. we understand. Yeah, so uh, so uh, we'll keep UK. you updated on that. Yeah. Uh, so 7.30 uh, UTC, of course, because we're now back yes. to UTC times, aren't we? We are. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with the show, obviously you can do that by the usual means. You'll find us on Facebook at Plain Talking UK. On Twitter, our handle is at Plain Talking UK. Please do send us audio or video feedback back using the following email address it is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com uh, Christmas competition obviously the questions we, we went through earlier uh, don't be afraid to use Google to get the right answers we'd rather have lots of lots of answers and there's three prizes up for grabs all um, you know very unique prizes you know we, we'd be the first to admit they're not worth the, low, mm-hmm. the most amount of money but they are yeah. what I call you know they're, they're, they're good prizes for, for proper aviation geeks so uh, there, there are three prizes up for grabs uh, make sure you get those answers in and that also so please send those to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Our website, of course, www.plaintalkinguk.com. Just one uh, final thing to say is that the our 200th show, uh, the preparations yes. are well underway for that. Uh, as I said earlier, I went down there to have a, have a look and a play around yes. with various things, yes, checking yes. some internet speeds and what have you. Yes. And uh, during this weekend, I'll be sending out uh, all a little info pack to all the people that are, are coming, coming to that. Yep. So all the people that have asked us about what's happening, when it's happening, I'll be sending out some details uh, over the weekend. So uh, keep a look out for that in your email. Indeed. Uh, Owen, thanks very much for joining us. As always, always a pleasure to have you off on. And, always uh, a pleasure. And uh, obviously, Sir Nev, thank you for, uh, for, for playing host this week That's so right. that I yeah. can sit here yeah. and play, press all the buttons. So from all of us here in the studio, uh, it's time to say goodbye, everyone. Say, everybody, yeah. goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.